Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you want to speak to us all the time. There's not a time where you're not speaking to us. But Lord, today I know we're going to start a new series, and I know, God, that not only did it kind of step on my toes, it kind of got me comfortable a little bit. I know it's going to get us as a church to look at where you're calling us to be and where we can be stretched. I know that process is uncomfortable. I know we don't want to go through that. But, Lord, I know if we want to go where you're taking this church, Lord, would you open our ears? Would you open our hearts? Let your Holy Spirit teach us exactly how to do that. In your mighty name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I'm glad you guys are all here at the Rock Church. And today, uh, if you've been here for the last couple weeks, you'll see that today we're starting a brand new series. So if this is your first Sunday, what a better time to join us. So you're not jumping in the middle of the movie. You'll actually start at the very beginning. So if you choose to stick with us for the next couple weeks, you're going to realize uh, where we're going. But this brand new series is called Jesus and We. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to spend the next four weeks together and talk about four areas in our life that I believe that are very close to God's heart. And these are the four areas, faith, serving, generosity, and evangelism. Faith, serving, generosity, and evangelism. And I will let you know that as I was gearing up for this series, I had a feeling that this was going to be a more in-your-face teaching. Uh, It's going to seem like, have you guys, who was here in the military? Really quick. Military people? We have a few in here? I know there's a few and you're not raising your hand. That's fine. Uh, But you guys know what I'm talking about. It's almost like we're going to get off the bus at boot camp and all of a sudden it's like in your face training. In your face, this is what's going to be. In your face, that that, that this is what I believe God is calling us to. And when I was gearing up for this, that's what it felt like for me. It felt like I was drinking water out of a fire hydrant. It felt like, like it was just stepping on my toes. And really as the pastor, I was getting a little bit uncomfortable and and I think the reason why is because, for, first of all, for the preacher, I believe that the preacher has to know, he has to, he has to live what he's preaching, amen? That, that's a good thing. And so, believe it or not, God made me live my preaching this week about what I'm about to preach on. And it was the most uncomfortable week in my life. You can ask my wife. It was just every day. We didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't know how, how work was going to roll out. And you guys are wondering, like, what, what was going on? What was going on? As I preach through this, you will understand what I'm talking about. But today we're going to begin our first part of Jesus and we. For some reason, I don't know how this got started out, but when we step into a relationship with Jesus, we tend to think that it's about Jesus and me. We tend to think about it's about Jesus and me and no one else. It's, it's, it's A, B, and the rest can see yourselves out of here, right? It, it's just between me and God, and there's no one else that's supposed to be involved. Well, as I was studying the scripture, I found a lot of things that would argue against that idea. That it's not actually about Jesus and me, that yes, we want our relationship with Jesus be personal, amen, we want to have that, but actually, once we step into that relationship, it's actually supposed to be Jesus and we. Jesus and we. That's not supposed to be Jesus and me, but actually Jesus and we, from personal to shared. And and, and like I said, I, I, I know we're supposed to have make it personal, but we're not supposed to hoard it to ourselves. For an example, there are a lot of things that we do as Christians, for those of you who are not a Christian or maybe thinking about the whole Jesus thing, uh, just tune in and you'll see kind of what, what we're all about. And I pray at the end of service, you'll make that decision. But just listen, hear me out for a little bit. Because there's a lot of things that we do as Christians that we do privately, but it's even better corporately. 
We do it privately, but it's even better corporately. Like, like for instance, uh, we pray alone to God, right? We, we, we have those things. Maybe some of you have the, the prayer closets or you have prayer times. Myself, I, I pray every morning here at the church for about 30 minutes or whatever. And, and it's, it's me and God. It's, it's no one else. And it's just the, the best time of my day. That's not just as a pastor saying that, but it's just I, I've seen the spiritual benefits of that. And, and it's the sweetest time of my day. But I also know that there's something incredible when we come together and pray with others. Amen? Are you guys tracking with me? It, 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 there's something about that. We do that every Wednesday night where we come together and we pray with one another because there's something, I, I would even say supernaturally powerful, when we all come together and pray corporately. And more importantly, more importantly it, it builds our faith. When we pray together, it builds our faith. Another one that's done better is, and shared is worship. I don't know about you, but, but I mean, I love it when it's just Jesus and me, and I'm just worshiping. Usually here at the church uh, during my, my prayer times, I thank God no one you know, of you guys can see me because that'd be super awkward. Um, but it's just between me and Jesus. Now, however, there's some of you, and you know who you are, and I have seen you do this. But there's some of you, you're in your car, seeing it at the top of your lungs, raising your hands, uh, and, and, and which, have you guys, have you guys ever thought, if that's you, have you guys ever thought, like, what other people, like, they're looking at you, what, what they're trying to see? Like, it, it's the weird, I've seen you do it. I've seen you do it. This is why I'm saying this, because it looks, it looks like you're crying, but having a seizure at the same time. And it's just, it's not, it, it makes a very awkward red light for all of us. And so we don't know what to either call the ambulance or just praise God with. It's just super weird. But I don't want to stop you. I don't want to stop you from doing that. But what's even better than doing that is coming together to worship. When we come together as a church and we worship together where, where our voices are just united with one another and we're in unity declaring who, who God is and that Jesus is here and his Holy Spirit's at work, amen? Like we, we love that. We love that. And what happens after, at least for me, I don't know about you, especially today when, when, when we kind of stop playing, we could just hear everyone's voices sing. It builds our faith. It builds our faith. And you can see this time and time through Scripture where God is just wanting his people, including us, to come together, not just to make this relationship personal, but also shared. And throughout Scripture, he gives us a few concepts on what we are to be about. Values, if you will, we as the Rock Church, that we adopt and, and, and that we operate in. So if you were here the two weeks ago when I talked about pursue, influence, and multiply, it's our mission statement right behind me. Uh, you can tag this sermon to that sermon because we're kind of just building off of that. So today we're going to talk about faith. Faith. But not just any faith because my prayer for, the, for this church and for each one of you personally is that you would come to a point in your life that you would have to take a step of faith. Now, that sounds very cheesy and there was like a, maybe a romantic kind of sense to that, like, oh, I'm stepping on faith, stepping out of faith, praise God, bless me, type thing. No, that's, that, 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 it's like I'm stepping on faith, I'm going to shop at Walmart. You guys know you need a lot of faith to go shopping at Walmart, amen? You need that, especially right now at the remodel, it's totally nuts. But I, I'm not talking about that, I'm not talking about that, you know, that it's just a, a Christianese thing to say, I'm stepping out of faith just to be this. I am talking about the faith where you're going to step out, and unless God doesn't intervene, you're going to fall flat on your face. That's the faith I'm talking about. It's a scary faith, 
but it's the faith that I believe that God wants us to enter into. For some reason, when we talk about building our faith, there's this romance when God does to build our faith. It, we we kind of like sum it up as this blissful romance, and it's, just, it's like we watch those Christian films. I have nothing against those Christian films, but it's, it's like, oh, that's just so beautiful, faith, ah, Jesus, ah, touchy-feely. It's just, I'm a guy, so I'm sorry if, I'm st- if it seems kind of weird, but it, it's just there's something about it that it's missing a few elements of like boldness and courage, risk, some danger, those things. And it's those things that we find in the Bible. And, 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 and really, when God builds your faith, it takes a lot of scary risks. It takes a lot of scary risks and thinking outside of the box. And so this leads me to my first point. And like I said, this is kind of kind of uh, feel like you're drinking out of, a, out of a fire hydrant right here. But this is the first point. You can go and throw it up there. It's, it's this right here. This is the first point. We as the Rock Church, we as the Body of Christ, we are faith-filled. Amen. Big thinking, amen. Bet the farm risk takers. <laughs> Didn't think so. Because that's weird, but let me explain that. Let's go on. We will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. We will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. And, and I know because we're going through like we are faith-filled. Yeah, amen. There we go. We are good. We're, we're big thinking. Yes, Jesus. Yes, we are. We are bet the farm, risk it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pastor Vaughn, as a fellow rancher and as a fellow farmer, you never, ever, ever, ever bet the farm. I would argue that when it comes to your Christianity. Because I read scripture, and we just sang the song up here. Think of a shepherd who had the flock of 99. That's his farm, right? And he was willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. He left protecting the 99 that are already found to go after the one that is lost, leaving behind his farm, and coming over here trying to find that one sheep. If, 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 I'm, I'm just tongue-tied right now because it's, that is bet the farm risk-taking. He put the 99 at risk. Now, now, we all know God is strong, though, so this 99 is protected, amen? But for some reason, in our human thinking, we think of, oh, if I leave, if I leave them here, if I leave it here, it's going to be riskful, and it's just going to be uncomfortable, and, and I don't know what's going to happen to them, but I also know we're supposed to go over there, so we try to hold on to this and try to go over here. All the while, Jesus is saying, he says, no, 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 no. Because while your human brain thinks that you're leaving them alone, you need to understand the whole galaxies are in the palm of my hand. So if that is true, know that this 99, it's fine. Leave the 99 to go after the one. That is why I believe that we are faith-filled, big thinking, bet the farm, risk takers. We will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. We want to be a church where we seek God for miracles, Amen that we would seek him for the impossible things, that we would never put God inside of a box, and we think this is how God operates. Anything outside of the box, it's not God. We don't want to be that. We don't want to get to that point where we think, oh, I know how Jesus is. I got him all figured out. Newsflash, you don't. We don't want to do that, that we would be a church that is faith-filled, that we would come to a point that we believe wholeheartedly that God wants to and will do more abundantly in our lives, through our church and for his glory, so that the town of North Platte will know his son, Jesus Christ. 
That is why we want to be faith-filled. Big thinking. Bet the farm risk takers. There are two examples in Scripture that I want to look at. One in the book of Mark, the other one in the book of Luke. And each story shows that Jesus is amazed at two different times. Two accounts in Scripture where Jesus is just flat out amazed. But he was amazed at these two different times for two totally different reasons. They're they're really the opposite side of the spectrum. The first one is in Mark 6, 5 through 6. And Jesus is in his hometown preaching, and people were getting all offended. Uh, That's nothing new, Jesus. It happens to Jesus all the time. But they were wondering who this Jesus was because they knew Jesus when he was a little kid. They knew that he was a, a carpenter's son, that he was nothing more than, than, than who they thought he was being grown up. But here he is, all big now, all adult-like, and he's preaching to his hometown. And they're thinking, like, who does this guy think he is? This is little, this is little Jesus. I know cute little Jesus. We, we know his story, right? His parents were too poor. They, had, they couldn't go to an inn or go to the hospital, so they had to make him born in a barn. And so there's probably all those jokes, too, that Jesus was born in a barn. Jesus was born in a barn. Ha, 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 ha. And so they're thinking, like, who does this Jesus think he is? And finally, Jesus gets wind of what is going on, and this is what happens, and this is what it says in Mark 6, 5 through 6. It says this. He, meaning Jesus could not do any miracles there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was what? Someone say it. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack. Jesus was just amazed at their lack of faith, just blown away, stunned, shocked. He was taken back. Have you guys ever been amazed at someone that's like, I can't believe he did it? You guys, you grew up teenagers, right? You, they survived to adulthood. Like, teenagers do some really stupid things, and you're like, I'm just amazed that they did that. Right? This is Jesus. He's thinking, like, I am just amazed at you guys. I'm just, I'm just bewildered that, that you're thinking like this, that Jesus, he was taken back. He was just amazed at these people's lack of faith. So much so, he couldn't do his full ministry there. He couldn't do any miracles except just a few small ones, not because Jesus didn't have the God-given power. Jesus had the God-given power to do anything that he wanted to. He was fully man and fully God. But the people were so lacking in their faith that even if Jesus did a miracle, the people would still be like, whoopee-doo, who do you think you are, Jesus, some big miracle maker? So he thought, you know what, your guys' lack of faith, I'm out of here. I could do one, but you still won't even see what I'm trying to do. You're so caught up in your bitterness and negativity and, and, and just trying to be all high in mind. It's just, it's not worth for me being here. And so Jesus was just amazed and he left. So the opposite side of the spectrum found in the book of Luke's gospel where a centurion came to Jesus. A centurion, really quick, was a part of the Roman army and they were not the nicest people, especially to the Jews. And most of the times they were just hated. They were just hated people. But this certain centurion had a servant who was deathly sick. And Jesus uh, heard and, er, that the servant was deathly sick and started heading towards the centurion's house to pray for the servant. But the centurion knew that if Jesus didn't come here quick, the servant was going to die. So this, the centurion decides, says, you know what, I'm not going to wait for Jesus. I'm going to go meet Jesus. And so here we have Jesus walking across town and the centurion walking from his house. And they kind of meet in the middle. And the centurion meets up with Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, uh, my servant is really, really sick. And he's about to die. Can you do anything? And so Jesus was like, yeah, let, let's, let's go. Let's go pray for him. So Jesus starts making his way. But the centurion stops him, says, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't get it. My, my, my servant, 
is about to die. We don't have enough time to go to my house right now because if we did, he would be dead by the time we got there. But I know, and this is the amazing part, that he looked Jesus dead in the eye and he says, I know who you are. Even if you just mutter a prayer right now, miles from my house, my servant would be healed. And this is what Jesus says. He says this. When Jesus heard this, he was, come on, church, he was what? Amazed at him, the centurion. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, in my home country. In these two accounts, Jesus was just amazed at the people's faiths. One was because of their lack of faith. The other because of their great faith. And church, we have to ask ourselves, how is Jesus amazed at our faith? How is Jesus amazed at our faith? Would be amazed how, how big and bold your faith was, or would he be amazed at the lack of your faith? So you have to ask this question, how big is my faith? So down there, you'll see in your worship guide notes, you'll, you'll see a thing that says, how big is, uh, how big is your faith? And there's a, a scale right there from 1 through 10. No one's going to see these. This is between you and God. But I want you to circle a number. I want you to circle a number where you believe your faith is at. How big is it? 10 meaning the most, 1 meaning the least. And I know this will vary week to week because life hits you in a different way week to week. So just think of this last week. How big was your faith? How big was your faith? Maybe you took some bold steps outside your comfort zone, and you know if God didn't come through, you would fail. But God came through. So maybe you're experiencing that high right there that, yeah, your faith is six, seven, or maybe an eight. I don't know. But maybe you didn't take any steps, and you're in control, and you're safe living. Maybe your faith would be lower. I don't know think about your prayer life. Maybe this week you, you prayed and it was just like God was just answering all your prayers and so you're, you're writing this high like, man, God is just hearing my mail and, and, and God is just hearing my, my words and he's answering them. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. So maybe your faith is higher, but maybe this week you didn't even bother to pray. You'd be lucky if your food was blessed. Maybe your faith is on the lower side. I don't know. I can't answer for you. But you have to answer this question. How big is your faith? How big is your faith? And the reason I want to talk about this, church, is not to get you all depressed because you're realizing maybe your faith is lacking. Or that maybe you got all high and mighty because your faith is really, really great. But I want you to think about your faith because there's something that is powerful. When your faith is strong and resilient. And there's something even greater when these strong and resilient faiths come together corporately. There's something just powerful about that. And that Jesus would look at us and be amazed at our great faith. Because of our great faith, Jesus continues to do a great work. And continues to just blow our minds all the time of all the things that he can do because of our great faith. And as a church, I believe that God is calling us to be faith-filled. Big thinking, bet the farm risk takers. That he would, that maybe we as a church would put ourselves, and even you as an individual, that we would put ourselves in a position that God has to come through. And that we would never insult God 
small thinking, safe living, that we would, that we would read how Jesus lived, and many of us have, Jesus didn't live a small life. And it definitely was not safe living. Not only Jesus, look how the disciples lived. It may have began small, but it didn't end small. And it definitely wasn't safe. I read scripture time and time again. These, these big faith heroes that we're going to read here in Hebrews 11, these guys who are on the faith of Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews, they were sold out to God and what he wanted to do. Sold out. So I just want to take a few more minutes of this morning and just inspire you to be faith-filled with what I want to call just three faith-filled facts. It's not a very catchy name, I know. But three faith-filled facts. And the first one is this. To be faith-filled, you cannot play it safe and please God. I know that's bold, but it's true. You cannot play it safe and please God. Hebrews eleven six. this is what it says. Again, this is the faith of Hall of Fame, if you will. You can read it, the whole thing. But Hebrews eleven six. it says this. And without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. That, that's not the pastor saying it. That's just scripture. That, that's divinely inspired word. That, that, that's, that's Jesus himself just saying, you know, it's impossible to please my father without faith. You have to have faith. You have to have faith to please God. One thing that I fear most in my life and, my, and in my ministry, especially as a leader of the church, this is kind of what we're talking about this past week that I was living and experiencing, is this, the, 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 we call it the big F word. It's not that F word, you sinners. Uh, but it's this F word, failure. I hate failure. I hate it. I hate it how it makes you feel. I hate it that it makes you feel inadequate and dumb. It makes you feel like you're not smart enough. Oh, if there's anything to make me feel small, oh, those people around you, they just make you feel like you're not smart. It's just, I do not like it. But failure, I hate failure. The first year and a half here leading out to church, I, I did exactly what this point said. I, I played it safe. I played it safe, and I didn't want, because I didn't want to fail. I, I just really tried to lead the church within my own power and control so I can accomplish the goals that I personally had. And you know what happened at the end of that first one and a half years with those goals? I accomplished them. The church grew a little bit. Things were getting healthy. Things were moving. It was great. I accomplished my own goals. But here's the thing that I realized when I was kind of reevaluating my first two years of ministry. I was not satisfied. There was something missing. I didn't know what was going on. I felt like all my goals were accomplished, but for some reason, I still felt like I was missing a major component, and I was. You know what it was? It was Jesus. I realized this, this one thing. If you can accomplish your goals without God... You lack faith. If you can accomplish your goals without God, you lack faith. When I was a, a pastor some time ago, I took the youth to Elitch Gardens. Have you guys been there in Denver, Elitch Gardens? I took my youth group there. We took like, uh, I, if you guys, you guys have the patience for this, but I took like 40 like junior hires. They're like all emotional and hitting puberty, and it's just, it's a mess. It's weird. Uh, but then some high schoolers, and so we all go in there with this big bus, and we had, I think, about 45, 50 kids go with us. And every one of them, they knew I had a fear of heights. And so they're like, Pastor Vaughn, we want you to go on the roller coaster with us. And I said, no. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you tell us to live big and do all this stuff, and so why don't you just prove it? And so now my manliness is on the line. So, of course, I'm going to prove it to this little junior high girl that she has no idea what she's talking about. 
So I get on, on, on this roller coaster, and it, it didn't start out bad because I was sitting in line for like 30 minutes, and the roller coaster would back up, and they'd go, and shouts of joy would go past like, this isn't that bad. And so I get there, and before I get in, they're like, no, 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 Vaughn, you, you shouldn't sit here. You should sit back here with us. And I'm like, oh, I can sit back there. That's no big little junior high girl. I'm going to go back here and be a man. And so I go back here, and I strap myself in, and, and I'm like, okay, we're good. Adrenaline's kicking a little bit. I'm just wondering, like, how many people have died on this thing this past year? Like, like it was just not scenes from, like, you know, Final Destination would hit my head. And I'm like, this is not good. This is not good. To the glory be God. And I'm just, just kind of, and so it starts cranking back and cranking back and cranking back. And I finally open my eyes. I'm this 20-year-old going like this. And they're like, open your eyes, open your eyes. And so I opened my eyes. And I felt like I was like 100 stories above everything. I saw all of Denver. And I just felt like I am going to fall on my face and die in a bloody mess. And this is not going to be good. The headlines of Rock Church is Missing a Youth Pastor does not do well for a church. And so I'm thinking of all the stuff was going on. And finally, the, the hooks released and we jet off what seemed like a thousand miles an hour. It was only like 55 miles an hour. But it jetted off and it was just this crazy just ride. I was scared but yet I was enjoying it. I was screaming in fear for my life but I was also screaming for joy. It was just the most exciting time of, at that point and it's because I stepped out and did something that was out of my comfort zone. And let me tell you church, I did this. I shared this story for this reason. Faith filled Life living like that is kind of like riding a roller coaster. There's going to be times where you think you have it all together, where you are certain how it's going to play out, that you think, you know, it steps A, B, and C, one, two, three, and all that stuff. But there's going to be a time when those hooks are going to release, and Jesus is saying, you need to hang on and go for the ride. It's going to happen. So when you are living in big faith, it's going to feel like a roller coaster. A faith-filled life is, 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 is not safe. It's like adrenaline rush. It's crazy. It's crazy. You get in the roller coaster, it doesn't seem all bad, but the roller coaster starts to, to move, and you get some adrenaline pumping, and soon you realize God is taking you somewhere that you never thought you would never go, and he's using you in a way that you thought you would never be used. That's faith-filled living. But let me tell you, when that roller coaster starts backing up and God's saying, we're about to go, we're about to go, we're about to go, you better hang on, you better strap tight, open your eyes and see what I'm about to do in your life, I will tell you, the enemy will come in and he's going to say, what if you fail? What if God really doesn't have this in control? What if he's going to let go of you? What if you're going to fail? Let me tell you something. I believe this is something, if, if not for me, never let the fear of failure talk you out of an act of faith. Never let the fear of failure talk you out of an act of faith. Because when you live a life that pleases God, you don't, you don't play it safe. You will fail. You, you hear this, church. You will fail. It's going to happen. There's not a, a person that I know that did not fail when they're living a faith-filled life. I have failed time and time again, but I have come to a point when I know that when I fail, it doesn't take me farther from God, but it actually draws me closer to God. That is what happens with failure. 
I think of a story of failure with, with, in the Bible with Peter. He was on the boat, and, and Jesus starts walking on the water. And if you go to Israel with me uh, next year, you'll see that you like, actually see where kind of the Galilee and all this crazy stuff. But Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter sees this guy, and he thinks, oh, it's a ghost. I don't know who it is. And Jesus finally cries out. He says, hey, come out on the water and walk towards me. And a lot of times we teach this scripture because we think, you know, that don't doubt. You're going to fail like Peter did. You're going to fall in the water and you're going to drown. Don't doubt God. Don't doubt God. But I would argue against that because if I read the story right, only Peter stepped out of the boat. I'm pretty sure there was other disciples that were playing it safe and stayed in the boat. And Peter may have fell. He may have looked at the winds and waves and began to sink and began to drown. But let me tell you, he took some very big steps he walked on water and he was walking by faith faith filled life if you're not failing every now and then I would say you're playing it safe and you cannot play it safe and please God at the same time so go out step out in faith and, and if you fail guess what you do I learned this on the ranch you get bucked off a horse and what you do get back on don't fear it Run after it. You get knocked down, get back up again. That's a great song from the 90s. We're going to listen to that from this. And if you're just wondering, you guys are thinking, 90s kids, you know what I'm thinking about. But if you're wondering if that roller coaster story is true, check this out. Look at this. That is me. That, that really big brown blob right there, that's me. And that's my youth group all behind me, and there's a few in front of me. But that is me, and you'll see my hands are just like this, and I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs because I'm thinking, like, I better look like I'm having fun, but if I die, I, I, I better just go out with a blaze. And so and I was just going out there, and for all, I rode, like, three more roller coasters after that, and it's the same expression after that. So please know I do live what I preach. And so, <laughs> so some of you, when God asks you to step out, you can take that away now because we're going to be looking at that and realize, oh, my goodness, that guy is crazy. Um, when you step out in faith, when God asks you to do that, just go out and do it. Do it. Because you can't play it safe and please God at the same time. Here's the second faith-filled fact. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Again, the writers of Hebrews said in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he says this. You can throw it up there. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Meaning this, faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things that we cannot see. For an example, uh, my daughter was born with Down syndrome, and she's, became, uh, she's turned four years old. She's back there in Kid Rock, and she's just a little miracle. Uh, but with Down syndrome, there's disabilities uh, that come up in life. But we believe, we hope, we hope with everything inside of us that Aspen will beat these disabilities, that she's going to overcome them, that the disabilities won't overcome her, but vice versa. And so we hope for that. We haven't actually seen it. But we hope that it's going to happen. We have faith that it's going to happen. And that's what faith does. If faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things that we cannot see. It gives us that assurance. Do you guys remember doing this? I don't know if you guys did this back, I'm going to date myself, but uh, back in the, I was born in the early 90s, but uh, when I was in elementary school and junior high, I began to, you know, like girls, and there were some cute girls, and 
in class. And so what we would do, we wouldn't ask them directly. We wouldn't go up to them and say, hey, do you want to date with me? Because that was just dumb. You don't do that because you don't know what she's going to do. What if she says no? What happens then? I'll tell you what happens. You stand there like an idiot in front of all her friends laughing at you. That's what happens. It's never happened to me. Don't laugh. No. <laughs> but, but, that, that's, that, but that's what happens. And so what we would do, we would do something like this. We would, we would write this little note like this. Do you like me? Check yes or check no. It was the most thrilling time of your life as a fifth grader. And so you would pass that note and you would hope the teacher wouldn't see. And so you pass it and you're waiting for her to write. And so she gets it and you're really hoping it doesn't go to that girl because you don't like that girl. You like that girl. So you're trying to like, go over there, go over there. And so it gets, the letter gets there. And so you're like, okay, she's got the letter. So you're sitting there and you're like, okay. Okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And so she gets it out, and she writes something, and, and then it gets passed back to you. And I tell you what, there's some very cruel women out there, because what they would do, they would not check yes or no. They would write a whole new box called maybe, and they would write that off. And that would just send you in a downward spiral of confusion. Right, guys, are you with me? That's what happens. It's so cruel. But I think a lot of times when God asks us to do something, we kind of write him a note like this. We say, God, are you sure I'm supposed to do this? Check yes or check no. And let me tell you, God will always check a maybe. Because when you have a guarantee, you do not have faith. We may feel like, oh, I'm 100%, like God is calling me to do that. Let me tell you, that is big faith. That is big faith. But we cannot have a guarantee and have faith at the same time because they do not go hand in hand. You cannot have guarantee and have faith at the same time. It doesn't work like that. When it comes to our faith, being faith-filled, we treat God like this. And all the time, God will, he will throw you for a loop and he will say, maybe. Now what? What are you going to do? The ball is in your court. Are you going to take a step of faith? Are you going to go do what he's called you to do? Or you're going to shrink back and crumple up the note and throw it away? What are you going to do? In January, we had a business meeting for the church. And if you've never been to one of our business meetings, business meetings is, I've got to find a new term for that. Because you think of business meetings, you think of like just, you know, papers and numbers. And there are papers and numbers at these meetings. But more times than not, I focus a lot about where God is calling us to go. To be of faith. To have big faith. And one of those things that God is calling our church is to be a heartbeat for this North Platte community. I have been preaching that since day one since I've been here. And I believe it with all my heart. I have the faith that God is going to use this church to be a healthy heartbeat for the community of North Platte. Come on, church. I'm going to give God some praise this morning. Because that is what he's going to call us to do. He wants healthy churches. He wants his bride to be healthy. And when the church is healthy, the community around it gets healthy. And I believe God is, is calling us to do that. And not only that, and I know this sounds weird because if you look around right now, it's about 100-some people. You may think, like, what is 100-some people going to do? Let me tell you, he can do a lot with 100 people who are big-thinking and faith-filled. Bet the farm risk-takers who will never insult God with small living and safe living. When you are willing and you're willing to step out in faith, God can do so much. 
And I believe God is calling us to be a church, planning uh, churches to reach the rural areas of Nebraska. Let me read this statistic to you right now. 60% or more of pastors in the rural areas around our, our Nebraska area are in the age of retirement. Now you're thinking, like, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Because what this means, if hundreds of churches, if not, I wouldn't even say close to 1,000. We've done the studying. We've done this. We know the numbers that hundreds of churches will close their doors in the next 10 years in the rural areas. Churches are going to have empty buildings without people and, and a pastor who's willing to love on the community. And that may seem like that's not a big deal. They should just move to North Platte. That's not the point. The point is the church is supposed to be going out to the people and loving on them. And soon these rural areas are not going to have churches. And so I was praying, like, God, like, how do we do this? This is not right. Uh, and I have a heart for rural areas. And I'm thinking, God, how do we as a church, how do we do this? And he says, you know what? You're going to go plant churches. You're going to be that person. You're going to go out and plant churches. And let me tell you, we have an idea of where we, where we might go plant churches. Places like Broken Bow, McCook, Sutherland. Please, like, I'm so excited I can't even talk right now. Because there are places that need Jesus. And for us to go out there, it's going to seem like, what are they doing? They're risking everything. Who goes to Podunk Sutherland and plants a church? Rock Church does. We're that church. Who goes out to the farmers and loves them? Why would anyone go to a small farm living place and plant a church when you can go to like Denver and almost have a 100% success rate? Because let me tell you, when you concede by yourself, you lack faith. We are going to put ourselves in a position where if God doesn't come through, we're going to fail. And let me tell you, we might plant a church and we might fail, but who cares? We'll go to the next place. When Jesus told the disciples to say, if you go there and you can't do anything, what did Jesus tell the disciples to do? Go out of that town, dust your sandals off, and move to the next one. That's faith-filled, big thinking. Bet the farm risk-taking lifestyle. I believe God is calling us. And this point is not just for the church, but it's for you personally. Some of you are going to step out in faith and maybe lead a community group for the first time. You're going to realize that, hey, I've never taught anything before in my entire life. I barely even read, you know, the whole thing of Matthew. Who, who, who do I think I am to teach someone in a community group? Let me tell you, if you're willing, God will do it. Some of you are going to think like, I, I, I don't know, maybe I, do, do I serve? Do I not serve? I, don't, I, I work all the time. I have no time for serving. Let me tell you, if you step out in faith, you will realize serving in church is one of the best things that you can do for your family. Some of you are going to step out in faith and step into a, a new job, even though you have never been with your old job for the longest time. You, you just how can I leave this job? I've been here. My security is here. I, this is all I know. Who, who do I think to step out there and go to after that next job? Who do I think I am to ask for that promotion? Let me tell you, if you step out in faith, God may meet you there. I would rather know I step out in faith than I fail, rather than not stepping out of faith and thinking, what if? What if I did that? As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Step out in faith and see what God does. Here's the last faith-filled fact. To step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. To step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. There's a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham. And God told him of his destiny, that he's going to do all these great things and be a father of many nations. And However, he had something to do. 
he had one thing that he had to do. He says, in order for you to fulfill your destiny, you're going to have to leave your home. You're going to have to walk away from your homeland and everything that you know, are you willing to take the risk? And guess what? Abraham does. He leaves his security and goes into a strange country. He has known nothing about the culture, the language, or anything about that. He had, he had no idea where he was going. He was on a road trip of a lifetime without a destination. And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, for some reason, thought of faith. And this is, he thought of Abraham and his faith. And this is what he says, Hebrews 11.8. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith. Faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive his inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going. Abraham had no idea where he was going. But he stepped out in faith. Church, listen to me. Don't, don't pack up. Come on, tune in right here. Because this is for you. This is for someone right here. You're going to have to step out in faith. You've been praying for a season after season and after a season. And you're going, God, give me a sign. God, give me a sign. God, would you open the doors? Lord, would you give me that big, blaring road neon sign that says, take that step. Let me tell you, God is saying, just step. Take that step and see what happens. Be like Abraham. It's okay not knowing where you're going. That's why he says, you know, read my word. It's a light to the path. It's just a lamp to your life. Do you know what a lamp does? When you turn on the lamp, it doesn't light up the whole community. It just, you know where to step next. And sometimes when you do that, that's exactly what's going to happen. Amazing faith. When God looks at our faith, he would be amazed at your amazing faith. Or he would be amazed that you, as a Christian, have access to his throne room, have access to his power. The same power that Jesus rose from the dead. You had access to all of that, but for some reason, you still lack faith. How is Jesus amazed at your faith? How is he amazed at my faith? So how does this play out? I'll wrap up with this. I believe it's going to play out two ways. Number one is individually. Number two is corporately. Individually, start with that. God is going to speak to you individually and you're going to be taking some faith-filled steps in your life. If you're saying, yeah, Pastor Vaughn, I want to have a faith-filled life, I believe this is going to happen. He's going to ask you to take some steps. Maybe you're going to adopt a foster child or you're going to realize that by stepping out in faith and you actually start seeing value in children. I don't know what that is, but maybe for someone here, you're like, you know what? Maybe God is asking us to, to adopt a kid. I don't know. How would we do that? How would we add one more child? I mean, we don't have rooms enough for another child. How can we even possibly afford that? How can we do, what about the lawyers? What about the papers? What about, it, it doesn't matter. That's the faith part. For some of you, maybe you're going to tithe for the first time in your life. You're going to realize that, that by returning 10% of your income back to God through his church, that God does bless the 90%. For some reason, tithing has a, just, it's almost like a curse word for some people. But I will tell you this morning, God will always bless that. But Vaughn, it makes no mathematical sense. Like why, do you know what 10% is when you look at my page? God knows. I also know that when you give it out of faith and out of the gladness of your heart, 
God will always bless the 90%. Vaughn, I'm just not in the place to do that. You don't know. Let me tell you, when I first tithed, we were $600 overdrawn to my bank account. And I tested God. Malachi says, you can do that. You can test God in this. So I tested him. I said, God, if, if I write this check right now, you see what it is. You know all the numbers. God, if I overdraw my bank account, I am never going to tithe again. Not only did God bless that, but he brought abundantly more to bring my account back in the black. And I tell you that because God will always bless the tithing. Some of you, you might actually go back to college, start a business, lead a community group, or whatever it may be. But if you're going to step out in faith, because of that, your faith will grow. Your faith will grow. Some of you might start serving in church in Kids Rock where the kids look like they just chugged a bunch of Red Bull before they came in. It's just it's, they're, like, they're like on crack. You don't know what to do with them, and they're just going bouncing off the walls. But you will realize if you believe God is calling you to those places six months down the road, you're going to realize this is the best time of your week. Investing in little ones for the name of Jesus Christ. What are the faith steps that God is asking you to? Second one, it's going to play out corporately. I believe God is going to speak to this church corporately, and we're going to be taking some faith-filled steps together. We took some this week. This happens because of our growing faith. For an example, I'll just give this. Uh, I got a call a couple weeks ago and says, Vaughn, you know, we're, we're redoing this whole Nebraska land days, and um, for some reason, like, your church was just, you know, we thought of your church. We know you're new to the area, and I don't know if you're interested in this, but hey, a few of these other healthy churches, uh, they brought your name up and they're wondering, would you like to help, you know, be on the committee and, and help out uh, revamping this whole family night thing? And my first thought is, we don't have the funds to do that. We don't, have, we don't even have funds to do some of the other stuff that I wanted to do. But that little voice, most likely the Holy Spirit, says you need to take that faith step. If God's calling you to be a heartbeat of the community, what better way than to go to a community event and be the heartbeat of that? Take, some, take, take that step of faith. And so I said yes. And we met and we had the meeting and we got some really great things planned. You'll see the posters hanging around. I encourage you guys to all come out there. We're, for some reason, it's just us and three other uh, healthy churches in the area. And we're, we believe, we're praying for a thousand children to come out, to come out and experience the love of Jesus Christ, the love that they've never had. There are so many broken homes that the love of Christ is not there. And so I believe God is calling us to, to do that. And so we said yes. And let me tell you, it's a, it's a faith step. But every time we have taken a step, God has always caught us. And we're able to go ahead to do the things that he's called us to do. And let me tell you, church, when you play out big faith in your own individual lives, when we come together on Sundays or any other church events, our faith combined together, it's unstoppable. It, it's like adding just, just it's, it's like steroids, for lack of a better word. It's just, it, it's, it's just going to explode this church. When you live big faith in your own life, we come together corporately as a church. See what God can do. So as a church, I'm going to wrap up with this. We are big thinking, faith filled, bet the farm risk takers. We are not going to sit back. We're not going to play it safe and try to keep control. We think big, we think outside the box, and we are not afraid to fail or mess up. Because God did not give us a small commission. 
He did not give us a safe commission. He gave us a what? A great commission. A great commission. That we would go out and make disciples and do his work because God's will is not that only a few would come to him. That's not his will. In fact, that in 2 Peter 3, 9, that all would come to repentance before Jesus Christ. So let's start with our community, amen? Let's start there. God has a great plan for this church, but it will take a great act of faith of his people to make it happen and be involved. And my prayer is that when God looks at me and you, he'll be amazed at our faith-filled life. My prayer is that when God looks at this church, he will be amazed at our faith-filled, big thinking, not afraid to fail mentality. And that he would just be amazed at the good things that he's able to do through this church. And when we grasp a hold of this, watch what God does. Let's pray.